Well, hello there and welcome. It is Sunday and today I'm doing something a little bit different. I'm not talking about on passive. I know it is completely shocking. Today we are kicking off the segment that I started doing when I first came onto YouTube called Hey Hun, You Woke Up. And I'm adding on to that victim voices because I think it's very important for us to get stories out there from people who have actually experienced what it's like to be part of a multi-level marketing company. Hey, Fernando, how are you doing? Hey, Angel, how are you? Thank you so much for being here. And we have with us Beth, the queen of spade, but I also have two special guests with me. Doug Brooks, who is an attorney, and he has fought for many years against deceptive businesses. And I also have Dr. William Keep, who is a marketing professor who has served as a, now I'm going to get it wrong, expert witness. There, I remembered it. Woo, look at me go. Expert witness. And so they are here as well. And so I'm going to bring each of them on so that they can tell you more about themselves. And we will then get into kind of the meat of all of this. And what I would love for you guys to do is if you have some questions, you know, write them down. And then towards the end of the show, I would love for you guys to be able to engage. And if you have questions for Bill, if you have questions for Doug to be able to ask them and, you know, we can find out from the experts like right now. Hello, Doug. How are you doing? And thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Alanda. You are so welcome. Can you go ahead and give the audience just a little bit of your background? Because I really truncated it. Uh, no, that's fine, actually. I, I've, I've been an attorney for uh, uh, about 40 years. Um, since the early 90s, I have uh uh, among many other things, I have um, brought uh, several class actions against uh, multi-level marketing companies. I have also represented uh, consumer advocates who have spoken out against multi-level marketing companies. And I have um, uh, filed uh, formal uh, uh, petitions with the Federal Trade Commission to improve uh transparency and, and regulation in the uh, multi-level marketing uh, industry. Uh, I am semi-retired now. I don't, um, I, I'm not looking to take on any uh, cases right now, but I am uh, continuing my uh, pro bono work um, advocating for, uh, uh, for better protections for consumers against uh, these uh, 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 multi-level marketing companies. And I am so glad that you are, and I really appreciate everything that you have done and continue to work on. Bill, thank you so much for being here. Can you go ahead and tell people a little bit about your background? Because I can never do it justice at all. Sure. And let me just give a shout out to uh, Doug Brooks here. He's a little modest. He actually participated in a case that continues to ripple um, uh, called Omnitrition, Webster versus Omnitrition, and the appellate courts have um, uh, relied on on the good work that Doug and his colleagues did on that case. Um, um, so I'm Bill Keep. Uh, I'm a professor of marketing. Uh, I've been a professor of marketing um, for about uh, a little over 30 years. Um, in the mid-90s, I was asked by the Department of Justice to assist in the prosecution of a pyramid scheme uh, in Western Kentucky. It was called Golden Limited. And um, uh, uh, it was a successful prosecution that then got some me to get calls from 
other prosecutors and from um, uh, private cases, in some cases, uh, uh, where I would assist them. Um, so I worked with the FTC, the SEC, the state of Kentucky, the state of Florida. Um, I've been on some private cases. Um, I've co-authored with the retired senior economist at the Federal Trade Commission a couple of papers on multi-level marketing pyramid schemes. And I've also written about 40 pieces in a website outlet called Seeking Alpha. And almost all of those are on multi-level marketing pyramid schemes. And last year, wasn't it your college that hosted the conference that we were all on the steering committee together, which was multi-level marketing, the consumer protection challenge? It was. And thank you. I should give them a shout out. School of Business at the College of New Jersey, which is in Ewing, uh, New Jersey, just outside of Trenton. Uh, The dean there was kind enough to support us and and the technology was support us. And then we were co-sponsoring this with a university in Ireland. Um, and so uh, we were pleased to do it and look forward to uh, future events. Well, thank you, Bill, so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And then last, bringing on Beth, the Queen of Spade, who is here with me about every single night as we talk about on passive, sometimes Zeus's bounty, and then sometimes some other MLMs that, you know, people don't really know about. Last night, so Doug and Bill, that you know, we talked about Princess House because that was something that I had on my list and we just kind of dove into that last night. So Beth, thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate your time and your energy. Thank you so much. See, I, everyone already knows me in the chat, but, but Bill and, and Doug don't know me. So I'll just give a little synopsis. I was in both it works and then Sensi right after I spent about a year in MLMs and I left in 2018 and began my channel in 2019. And now here I am, and Alonda and I like to deep dive the the crazy ones that nobody talks about. <laughs> There's just so many of them. So let me go ahead, and um, I have questions for you guys. So we are here talking about basically how to say things that we all want to say about these companies that we find problematic but to do it safely. And one of the things is I know that I had, and I believe I sent it to you, Bill or Doug, I don't remember which one or both, but Beachbody had a non-disparagement clause. Mm -hmm. So what I would like to know is what is a non-disparagement clause and why do some companies have them? Uh, Maybe Bill, you do the why and I'll do the what. Okay. You, you do the what first, I'll do the why. The, the what is a, a dis, non-disparagement clause is, um, is a contractual clause that uh, prevents one party to the contract from criticizing the other party. Um, they typically, you see them in, in settlement agreements where um, the parties want to resolve all the problems between them. So uh, they'll, they'll include a clause saying that they won't um, uh, badmouth each other uh, now that the case is, uh, is settled. Uh, but, but pure and simply, it's, it's a clause that prevents you from, from uh, uh, saying critical things, even true things. Uh, this is not defamation. So defamation refers to just false uh, statements, but a non-disparagement clause can apply to true things, but critical things. 
And, and the why um, is uh, important to the continuing marketing of the firm. Um, uh, firms uh, rely heavily on reputation. Uh, multi-level marketing firms in particular rely heavily on word of mouth. Um, and so um, to tamp down any positive, negative word of mouth, they'll use these non-disparagement uh, clauses, um, which, um, as Doug knows, uh, literally is asking you or requiring you uh, to give up a constitutional right. Um, and so uh, our constitution guarantees us the right of free press or uh, free speech, I mean, and um, uh, this clause um, is a way to hem you in on that. Um, but it's all done from a marketing perspective. Um, uh, you know, they don't want bad news out there. They don't want um, negative comments. Or um, uh, when Doug talks about the truth, what if the truth is that there was something going on that would be or could be considered illegal? Um, and so uh, we have uh, uh, thrown a blanket on that um, by... Um, everyone in the, in this contractual agreement uh, signing off on that clause. Thank you very much. That uh, just gives me a lot to think about. Now, in terms of non-disparagement, and they had us to basically keep people quiet and not say anything, you know, bad about the company. But what is the difference between, you know, non-disparagement, defamation, and slander? Because those are all, th I hear this all the time. It's like, oh, you're just slandering whatever, or, you know, somebody will accuse me of defamation. So how do we know whether or not we are actually slandering someone or committing defamation? Um, well, slander is, is a, a kind of, of, of defamation. Slander is spoken words. Libel, you may have also heard, is that's uh, written words. Both slander and libel are, are, are within the category of defamation. And defamation is a false statement uh, about another person or, or, uh, or a company. Um, so the, 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 the key thing is there, it's, uh, it's going to be a false statement. Um, it's not defamatory if, if, if it's true. Um, Non-disparagement, as I said earlier, disparagement can refer to things that are true. Um, that, um, but that, but uh, are arguably uh, holding that the uh, the company in in disrepute. Um, so, I, I, does that does that answer your your question, Alanda? Yeah, it, it definitely does. So, I mean, well, let me ask you this as a follow-up. If somebody is accusing a creator of defamation or slander, what is something that we can do or even should we even try to combat if they make that kind of accusation? Because usually it happens in the comment section, you know, after you create a video, somebody will say something like that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it from a non-legal perspective and then Doug can take it from a legal perspective. First of all, anybody can accuse you of anything, especially in a chat, especially if they're allowed to be anonymous. So we have in the Internet, we have multiple layers of permissions to abuse people, so to speak. 
Um, and uh, by that, I mean uh, uh, when people are allowed to do things anonymously, um, uh, it, that's a problem. And of course, accusing someone of defamation is not the same as bringing a lawsuit against them, right? Um, so for me to throw out those kinds of words to someone um, uh, actually has isn't good uh, in terms of other people reading it. Um, but that that is just not the same as somebody going after you with a lawsuit, right, Doug? Absolutely, and and I mean, I have seen, um, I, I have I have represented people who have been uh, sued in court for uh, alleged uh, defamation, uh, but many times uh, the threats are made and they're never followed up on, and many times the threats are sufficient because someone receives a letter, uh, a demand letter from a lawyer saying, you know, stop defaming this company. And a lot of people are, you know, they, they just don't want to be uh, uh, on, on the hook. So they'll, they'll just, they'll withdraw whatever it is they, they said, or they'll stop saying it, uh, but they'll shut up and they'll stop, they'll stop uh, uh, talking about, it. even if what they said was absolutely true. Uh, the problem with our system or the feature of our system is that um, anyone can, can go to court and file a complaint and the defendant uh, and you could be as as pure as newly driven snow uh, but you're still going to have to spend money to defend yourself uh, i'd like to follow up on what doug is saying because it highlights the the inherently uneven um, playing field between a business and an individual an individual contractor or an individual consumer businesses especially businesses of any size have lawyers and so um the challenge of getting their lawyer to write one more letter against um a, a, a former distributor for example in the case of the mlm or a current distributor is no big deal for that distributor to get that law that letter is a big deal so for the average person thought of having to go out and find a lawyer and gathering together enough money for the at least the initial expenses um i mean even if you have a lawyer who's very sympathetic to your situation um we're talking about thousands of thousands of dollars um and so we have this un inherently uneven um field where um you can be saying something perfectly true um even something that um there's evidence evidential supporting ev there's supporting evidence um but if they can scare you away they will and i think that's <clears throat> very important right there and that is to scare you and i think a lot of times that's exactly what happens um, for content creators whether you're on Twitter or you're on Instagram or you're on YouTube or on TikTok, wherever you are, they're looking to, you know, make you kind of shake in your boots, so to speak. So yeah. what happens if you do speak out, but you've signed a non-disparagement clause mm -hmm. and you go against that? I mean, can they come after you? What's the likelihood they'd come after you? Could Beachbody sue Alonda right now for her channel, for example? 
Well, uh, I mean, the short answer is is yes. Um, I, um, I did. I have. I haven't thoroughly uh, researched all the all the issues on this, but I, I found recently a uh, a recent case involving an MLM called Free Life, uh, and they uh, sued one of their distributors for. Um, uh, setting up a website that criticized them. They, and they invoked, um, they, they had a non-disparagement clause in their agreement. And this guy had, had signed up as a distributor. And, and that means, you know, he's gone to the website and he's clicked on a, on a, on a box saying, I agree to, to all these terms. Um, and the terms of are, you know, there's no negotiation over those terms. Um, uh, it's what lawyers call a contract of adhesion. You know, it's a take it or leave it. Um, and you know, we, we, we check on these boxes all the time, whenever you go to a website or you buy something. Uh, but at any rate, this guy had, 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 had checked the box and the, it turns out the contract had a non-disparagement clause in him, in it. And, and, uh, uh, he, subsequently the relationship broke down and he, he set up a website that was critical of the company and they sued him. And the judge, the district court judge, a federal district court judge in uh, uh, Texas, um, said uh, that, uh, uh, first of all, non-disparagement doesn't mean it has to be false. It, it can be a true statement. Um, so even though um, the, the, what the defendant said about the company was true, that didn't mean it wasn't non-disparagement. Uh, and, uh, and second of all, that the, uh, the, what this judge said is that, you know, constitutional rights can be waived. Uh, you can agree, uh, not to assert your, your constitutional rights. And, um, uh, you signed a contract and, uh, I'm going to enforce it. So here, here's a guy. I mean, that's that's the that's the risk that that uh, you know Bill and I are are concerned about is that um, you know people sign these things, but they have no idea what they're signing, mm -hmm. and uh, they 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 may find out uh, later on that uh, uh, that if the company decides they want to take an aggressive uh, approach. Uh, they could be on the receiving end of a lawsuit. Yeah, because when you go in to the like e-suite to become a consultant for these companies, it as soon as you click accept to their consultant agreement, in a lot of cases, you're just automatically agreeing to that non-disparaging. It's not like they completely explain it to you. It will be in small print. Most of us don't take the time to read it. Let's be honest. We don't read the policies and procedures in the small print. Um, so I think it is true that most of us don't even realize that we're signing one of those when we become a consultant automatically with most of these companies. Yes. Um, I think that's right. And I think we need to at least accept some of that responsibility Mm -hmm. uh, ourselves right i mean if you sign a mortgage to buy a house um there's that mortgage document is going to be multiple pages long and in some states 
they've actually made a law that you have to have a lawyer as part of that process. Now, I don't think all states, but some states. I know I live in Connecticut, and Connecticut is one of those states. Um, so the, um, the part of the responsibility is ours in the, mm-hmm. you know, to be informed consumers. And, and the, the irony here a little bit is that you are joining this to pursue a business opportunity you, and you have to have your business hat on. And, um, you know, uh, in my experience and the things I've read in cases, multi-level marketing cases, is that's not usually the case. People mm-hmm. at the point of joining are excited about the possibility of what could happen here, but they really don't have their business hat on. Mm-hmm. And those contracts not only include non-disparagement clauses, but often include um, forced arbitration, where you uh, agree that if there's a difference between you and your company, you will go to an arbitration situation and uh, uh, that um, you will not go to court. Um, arbitration is going to end up being a little more favorable to the company. You've given up your right to go to court. Um, and so uh, those are all, I think, real problematic and very common in this industry, which you know, just I'll just add this last comment. What kind of a business feels compelled to compel you to give up your constitutional rights? Mm-hmm. Yeah, An unethical kind of, one. <laughs> makes you kind of go, hmm. So Angel asked this question. Could a person caught up in a non-disparagement battle while telling the truth claim whistleblower status? Well, let me let me try to deal with that one. Uh, there, there is no whistleblower statute that specifically protects multi-level marketing distributors. Um, there is a whistleblower statute that protects people who uh, blow the whistle on securities fraud, and. Um, so that's that's uh, under the, the the ambit of the Securities and Exchange Commission that deals with with securities. I don't want to get too far into the weeds here, but the SEC uh, does have overlapping jurisdiction with the uh, uh, with the FTC over pyramid schemes. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill mentioned, I think, uh, wasn't your gold unlimited? Was that a an SEC case, Bill? What that was, that? was uh, um, DOJ. Don't think it was SEC, um, but I was in an SEC case, um, yeah. International Heritage Inc. Um, so, yeah, so there is, yes, yeah, so that's, that's a very famous uh, case. Um, and that was a, a theoretically a multi-level marketing company. That was. So uh, if you were to uh, complain to the, to the SEC, you would have some protection as a whistleblower, uh, Unfortunately, the way the statute is written, it seems to refer to employees and not to independent contractors. But I, I think you, you would at least have some protection there. There is currently no whistleblower statute with the Federal Trade Commission. There is a pending piece of legislation uh, that um, it's uh, House, uh, it's H.R. 6093. Um, that would provide a, a whistleblower 
uh, procedure for uh, people who who uh, make complaints to the to the Federal Trade Commission, uh, and that that statute uh, would protect uh, multi-level marketing distributors who, who who make claims about their company. But you know, getting anything like that passed in Congress uh, today is is uh, really a tough battle. So I I'm not going to hold my breath. Uh, uh, waiting for that that one to pass, uh, but it is encouraging at least that 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 uh, uh, representatives in, in Congress have are at least cognizant of this issue, and, and at least some of them want to do something uh, about it. Um, there there is also there is a whistleblower statute for the, uh, or I guess it's it's a, another proposed statute. Uh, for the uh, uh, Consumer Finance Protection Bureau. Uh, and, and there are some protections in specific areas, like um, under OSHA, which deals with workplace uh, accidents and, and, and conditions. Um, I, I, there's protection for people that, that report uh, those types of violations. There is some protection for people who report uh, civil rights violations like like discrimination, um, but <clears throat> I, I, unfortunately there there is nothing that that uh, specifically protects uh, multi-level marketing distributors who complain about deceptive practices by their uh, by their company. Uh, I'll add just a couple of things to to what Doug's from sort of a non-legal issue. First of all. A lot of people think of the SEC um, as dealing with publicly held companies, which would be correct. Uh, it's a good way to think about it in general. Um, but Doug is, is right that um, the SEC has overlapping responsibility with pyramid scheme. And I am familiar with, and I know Doug is familiar with, um, pyramid scheme cases brought by the F FTC, I'm sorry, by the SEC uh, that were not apparently publicly held companies. These were not companies that had already registered with the SEC um, uh, um, as, as an investment, uh, um, et cetera. And so um, if you were in doubt, the, the prudent thing to do would be to contact the SEC um, and just uh, send a complaint there. Uh, they do talk to their colleagues at the FTC. Um, sure. And um, so uh, if it's not a publicly held company, you don't have to scratch the SEC off your list uh, because they're also interested in pyramid schemes. One other um, uh, point I just want to make, and that is that we're talking about uh, anti-defamation or non-defamation clauses, et cetera. Um, it, it depends on the words. Um, in other words, uh, I shared um, with uh, a, a lawyer some language from a, an MLM company that spoke to, it was a non-defamation clause that spoke to um, um, uh, making public statements. And a, uh, a lawyer, um, uh, a government lawyer said to me, just as an offhand, I'm not sure this forbids them from going to law enforcement. Um, so those anti-definition or non-disparaging, uh, sorry, those non-disparaging clauses, the wording is important. Yeah. 
it, it's it, that is a yeah. There's, I, I I'm glad you brought that up because there's both the the speech issue, the talking about you know people who who like Alanda or 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 uh, you know your your colleagues in the in the YouTube world uh, who who speak out against MLM. There's there's uh, there's that speech issue, but then there's also the issue of you know do these non-disparagement clauses uh, uh, pre- preclude you from from going to law enforcement? And you know it, uh, many of these clauses, if you, if you read them literally, they would say, they would apply to that situation. Um, now that then that invokes another part of the First Amendment because the First Amendment doesn't only protect free speech, it also protects the right to petition the government. Um, so, you know, you've got another, uh, another whole set of, uh, of issues here. And, you know, I think I'd like to be able to say that there's a, there's a, you know, a, a clear, unmistakable, you know, guarantee that, that, that you are protected if you, um, uh, if you exercise, if you if you want to exercise your your First Amendment rights, but um, uh, you know that, that unfortunately, and not every judge in every court uh, ag- agrees with uh, uh, with with the idea that 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 you can't waive uh, those uh, your, your constitutional rights. In fact, there there are many cases that have held that you can. Um, I. I I would say that at least on the on the on the issue of going to the authorities to report violations, I think you're on a stronger footing than you are if you are just speaking out on on a um, on a website or a YouTube channel. Um, the 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 uh, there's some public policy issues there that you know we want people to report uh, violations of law. Uh, and then this this uh, right to petition the the government to redress grievances that is part of the First Amendment. Um, there there are the, the cases on on waiving your your constitutional rights talk about the the need that that waiver be knowing and intentional. Uh, uh, and there's some cases that say you have to have had counsel. Um, and so the, the, the use of these standard form contracts that you click through to agree to, uh, you know, whether that is, would be considered a knowing and intentional waiver of rights, uh, it, it, you know, is, is, is very problematical. I mean, I, I, would, I would love to, to, to take that case and, and if, for someone who is, who is going to uh, the authorities to report a violation. Unfortunately, I couldn't guarantee to them in advance that they're going to win. Um, I, I feel very strongly that, and I, I would, you know, argue till my dying breath that 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 shouldn't apply. But uh, you know, I, I, there's there's uh, thousands of judges in the country, and and some of them, uh, some of them might might tell me I'm wrong. So I, I, it's it's a it's a tough situation to be in. Is there a time limit on it? Like if I sign a um, non-disparaging clause like three years ago, does it, is it just for life or does it like run out at any time? Sort of depends on how the clause is, is written. Um, 
Okay, so they have to put the time frame maybe yeah. into the clause. Is that you know they they could write it however they want to. There's there's no uh, you know there's no law that 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 restricts them. Okay. Um, but the longer it goes on, the you know the the, the harder the problem is going to be for them to to convince a judge that they that the judge should enforce it. I mean, someone uh, you know who who was in an MLM three years or five years ago, uh, I'd say they're in a better position than someone who was who, who just left two weeks ago. Okay. Well, the people um, who have signed non-disparagement clauses and and maybe they did so like myself when I joined Beachbody I had no idea that was in there but let's just say that you do how can you protect yourself if you sign this or can you even protect yourself to be able to then speak out I'll give you a non-legal legal response and then Doug will hem that in better uh, first of all um, if you're going to talk about a company um, uh, you need to be careful with the words you use. Um, uh, when you get upset um, or angry or hurt um, by a situation, particularly a situation where there's personal relationships involved, like in an MLM, it's easy to let that anger come out in ways um, that um, can, I think, can, can, can trigger um, uh, a company response. Um, you know, I've said a, a number of things about a lot of companies over the years, sometimes in writing, and I've always done it in ways that either uh, raised questions or I, I, I softened my language uh, with regard to what might or might not be going on. Um, so if you, if you come running out the door screaming and yelling that this and that is all true and that this ought to be shut down sort of thing, I think you're drawing attention to yourself. And if you're not using your language carefully, you're much more prone to get a reaction. Um, I think that, yes, I see that Jamie Smith said, in my opinion, in my, I've used my opinion as well many times. Um, and so I, I just think that the word choice matters. And the other thing I would just say in general is, and um, so now I've been, uh, I, I consider myself a critic of the industry now. Um, for um, 25 years, and uh, Doug maybe even a little longer, I'm not sure. Um, and um, I have gotten information from all kinds of sources, and I've shared, um, I've shared uh, um, information to other people um, without having to reveal sources. In some cases, I didn't even know the source. I got an uh, anonymous um, uh, email, let's say. Um, now, the key there, of course, is what kind of evidence do you have? Um, and, and, and so, in fact, um, uh, uh, I think that that's really an important um, uh, part of the consideration. You have to put yourself in the position of the person that you want to act, which maybe, let's say, the Federal Trade Commission. Well, the Federal Trade Commission is made up by, with a lot of lawyers and a lot of economists, and, and they're going to be looking for evidence. Um, uh, so uh, that's part of it. And I just saw the note about what other phrases, you know, I've used phrases like seems or maybe or uh, other things that, that sort of qualify the comment. Uh, because 
in some instances, I want to be careful that I'm not saying something based on information I have that is not complete. So someone says something to me and I was like, huh, if that's true, that's pretty serious. Um, and it maybe it is, but I'm not going to run out and say that it is. Um, and I think that's really uh, important. Um, you know, not just MLM companies, but companies are smart. They have smart lawyers. Um, I've been a physician where I've worked with organizational lawyers in-house um, and they have a job to do. And MLM company lawyers are going to do their job. Um, so you need to be careful and think about that. I, I mean, I, I would I would second all of that. I mean, that's you, you know, you are um, yeah, there, there, there is a, a, a risk here. So uh, whatever you're you're saying, you you know, you better have uh, uh, serious uh, evidence to to support it. You shouldn't be just repeating uh, rumors that you hear from from someone else. Uh, if you hear something, uh, uh, you know, there should be a, a you know, is there a document or is there an email or is there uh, can you get uh, uh confirmation from uh, from another source um, but you know you you want you want to be as as sure as possible uh, about what you're uh, what you're saying um, and uh, you know the the I think I, I, I anecdotally I, I, I think that uh, I'm seeing MLM companies being more and more aggressive in terms of uh, looking at what people are saying on social media. I think this is, the industry is waking up to uh, the fact that there is this, uh, uh, there are people out there that are, that are speaking out that, uh, and they didn't used to have to deal with this. Uh, when I started uh, bringing uh, uh, class action cases back in the, in the early nineties, a lot of, a lot of victims of MLM didn't know that, you know, the, that there were other victims out there. You know, there, there were, you know, we, the, the internet was very, uh, uh, was very new and people just hadn't discovered them, uh, each other. Um, and my experience is one, once people did realize that there were other victims and they found each other, uh, then, you know, more and more of them were, were willing to, to speak out. But, um, uh, now, uh, you know, because it's become so easy to 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 find people of like minds, um, uh, this is you know it's becoming a bigger factor, and and companies are getting more aggressive in terms of uh, uh, trying to protect their uh, reputations. I would even go so far as to say, companies are afraid of you, and um, uh, everything Doug just said. Uh, describes that transition from the industry controlling the narrative for decades, literally decades, to the industry feeling as if it's losing control of the narrative. Um, articles in well-regarded publications, not just the local newspaper written by a local journalist, but by serious journalists who have done their homework, who are working with a national, in some cases, international publications. Um, and uh, what's tagged the anti-MLM uh, uh, voices out there. Um, so the industry is scared that they uh, will not be able to maintain 
um, the kind of um, tone about the MLM opportunity that they have uh, maintained for quite a while. Never for myself speaking out. Yeah. Should be. Bill, I, I think you, I, I, and I, I don't know if you can reveal this, I think you were going to talk with someone at the FTC about uh, whether they, what their position was on non-disparagement clauses and whether uh, there's anything that they uh, are thinking of doing or can do or, or might do. <laughs> right. Um, I've had some sort of, I guess you'd call them off the record or unofficial kind of conversations just because I wanted to learn more. Um, so the person who I was talking to um, was helping me understand uh, rather than telling me what the FTC is going to do next. Um, but, um, you know, I'm like some of you, um, um, I am only beginning to learn um, how often um, uh, people who are involved in the industry um, as, as independent distributors um, are asked to give up their rights. And um, so I, I said to the person at the FTC I was speaking with, I said, why don't we just pass a constitutional amendment that says no American citizen can be bound by a contractual language that limits their constitutional rights. One sentence. I'm up for that. Um, I don't think that's going to fly, apparently, for a variety of reasons. Apparently, you know, we like to give up our constitutional rights in pursuit of something, not just in MLM, but other places, too. Um, But to go back more uh, to this specific issue of non-disparagement, apparently that's also an issue in the franchising industry. And I know that's an industry that Doug knows well. And um, so that could be good for us because if the FTC has more than one industry where they're seeing a common problem, they may be able to come up with um, a solution that helps minimize the issue. And I, I just want to end by saying none of these problems ever go away. Um, the best we can do is manage behaviors and language. Um, and so uh, that's, I think that's what the FTC would like to do. Well, Fernando just asked, would this come up in an unfair contract? Not if you sign it. <laughs> the problem, the problem is, uh, you know, we can we can say that it's unfair, but again, there's there's no uh, uh, there's there's no overarching law that governs uh, what is fair or unfair in uh, in in the multi-level marketing context. Um, <clears throat> in fact, even even in the franchise context, the the the, uh, the FTC's franchise rule. Uh, governs disclosure. It requires disclosure before you buy a franchise, but it doesn't specify what terms can or can't be in a franchise agreement. Uh, I mean, I would love to see, and I've urged the FTC to substantively regulate uh, uh, MLM contracts to to prohibit certain types of compensation plans and 
certain types of, of, of clauses. Uh, but I, I think the, the best we're going to see from the FTC is, is some kind of uh, uh, disclosure. Uh, we've, we've recently uh, uh, understand that, that they are going to be proposing a, a rule governing earnings claims. Uh, and we are hoping that uh, and assuming that it's going to cover uh, MLM. Uh, MLM, by the way, is the only business opportunity in the United States that is not subject to some type of uh, disclosure rule. Franchises have to make disclosures before you buy one. Other types of business opportunities have to make disclosures before you buy one. But uh, multi-level marketing uh, has very good lobbyists, and they were able to get themselves exempted uh, from, uh, from these rules. Um, but the FTC is trying again. In fact, there's going to be a, uh, a virtual public meeting on uh, Thursday, uh, uh, and they are going to announce uh, this latest uh, effort. So, um, uh, in fact, uh, those of you who, who uh, are listening, you, know, you, you do, uh, I think the deadline is to, to make a comment on this is Tuesday. Uh, you can go to the FTC website and uh, submit a, a comment in, in favor of, of regulating uh, uh, MLM, and in favor of, of, of better disclosure, better regulation. Uh, and I would encourage everyone uh, to, uh, to, to do that. Uh, but, um, uh, and then, I mean, this, this issue of, of what terms are in an, a, a typical multi-level marketing contract, I, I think is, is something that we talked uh, about in, maybe including this in the next time we do one of these MLM uh, conferences, uh, which, which may be in a, in a few months. Uh, but there are so many uh, clauses that uh, you see in, in MLM agreements that, that most people do not understand what they mean. Uh, these are very sophisticated commercial agreements, but the context that, that you sign them is very informal and you're told, well, you don't need a lawyer, you're, not, you know, you're only investing 50 bucks for the starter kit. Uh, you know, that's not a big deal. Uh, and then you find out, maybe a, a year or two later that, you know, you've, you've signed a, a hundred page agreement uh, that has got not just non-disparagement clauses, but arbitration clauses, disclaimers, um, uh, non-competition covenants, uh, all sorts of things that, that uh, you know, maybe if you had a lawyer, uh, you'd, you'd understand what you're, you were getting yourself into. Uh, but uh, you, you, you probably didn't even read it, or if you did read it, you didn't understand what it meant. Um, I'm sorry to sort of go off on a, on a tangent here, but, but uh, it's a serious problem with, with this, uh, this business concept. Uh, I, I just saw the comment from Fernando about Australia. Fernando, we have consumer protection uh, we have some regulations to protect consumer contracts, but the MLM contract is not considered a consumer contract. Correct, Doug? That's that's right. In fact, when we talk about it, and I wanted to bring this up with the, with the uh, the non disparagement issue, but there there is a federal statute that protects consumers who criticize products that they buy, 
Um, uh, and and there, in fact, the FTC has to is responsible for enforcing this law, and they have they have they have uh, cracked down on companies that have uh, put non disparagement clauses in consumer agreements. But the law is very specific that it does not protect independent contractors. And if you're an MLM distributor, uh, one of the things that that contract says is you're an independent contractor. You're not an employee uh, and you're not just a consumer. You're, you're theoretically, you're a business person. Uh, so you're not protected by this statute that otherwise it does protect consumers who post, for instance, if you, if you post uh, a review of, of uh, you know, the lawnmower that you bought or something or the washing machine, um, you know, you, you are, are uh, protected there, but um, it doesn't, the law, that's, that law does not protect uh, MLM distributors. That's so funny too, because when you think about it, the distributors are the main customers of the MLM. So it's just kind of funny to me that it seems to be in this gray area. Well, the, you, what you're pointing out is exactly right. Um, the industry likes it both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a company gets accused of running a pyramid scheme, um, often part of that complaint will be that the company cannot demonstrate um, retail sales to a non-distributor uh, mm-hmm. customer base. Yeah, you so have the, to do the recruiting, right? It has to be based right. mainly on the recruiting for that. So the well, the answer the comp- the answer of the MLM and the D- Direct Selling Association make is that these distributors are customers. Mm-hmm. So when they want them to be customers, they <laughs> want them to be customers. When they don't want them to be customers, they and want their employees all of a sudden. Distributors who are signing contracts. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, and, and I think I just want to back up for one moment and just uh, talk about why are, why, what's the purpose of complaining? In other words, yeah, if you're going to complain, whether it's publicly or to truthandadvertising.org, that nonprofit that does um, good work in this area, um, or um, the National Consumer League is a nonprofit that you know, looks at this area a bit, or uh, what? why are you complaining? What is, what's the goal, right? Now, it could be just one event, okay? You just want to kind of get it out there. Um, but I can tell you that, you know, if the purpose is to try to facilitate change, um, then the um, complaint behavior needs to be purposeful and well-informed. And so by that, I mean understanding where to complain, how to complain, and to understand um, that there are people that you can complain to that you may not think of. So for example, if someone asked me um, who they should complain to. I'm, I'm setting aside the non-disparagement clause for a second. But if someone asked me who to complain to, I would say the Federal Trade Commission, of course. Um, and I would copy my congressman and I would copy my two senators. Um, and I would send a copy to the attorney general of my state. Those are the people who can bring long-term change whether it's change in enforcement or change in laws. Um, you know, if you wanted to also send in a, a comment to Tina.org, Tina.org 
um, it, uh, it has lawyers on staff and they write letters to the FTC and others as well. But if we're talking about change, um, then in fact, we've got to get to people who can make change happen. Um, and so the, the chief enforcement people, um, FTC, SEC, if you think that's appropriate, um, uh, Attorney General's Office, those are the chief enforcement people um, on um, you know, misleading claims, uh, possible pyramid scheme charge, uh, mis- misleading product. Misleading product claims, it may also be the FDA if it's a nutrition uh, type product. In fact, the, the very first MLM post-World War II that is now owned by Amway called Neutralite got in trouble with the FDA, not the FTC, because of their product claims. And that was way back in the 50s. Could you also report to the CDC if you're finding um, like the illegal medical claims, for example? Does that help? Because I've done a lot of that. So I'm just wondering. Yeah, I would I would go with the FDA. Um, the CDC, I don't know if they have an enforcement arm. Um, and uh, they do a lot of research and they disseminate a lot of information, but I don't know if they have an enforcement arm. Do you, Doug? No, I, I don't think, I think, uh, I think you're right. I think it's that the, the issue there would, should go to the FDA. Uh, and I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on every one of your points, Bill, on, on, you know, because it's just one of the frustrating things about, uh, you know, what, what we've done over the years is, is uh, um, the victims uh, don't like to complain. Um, and, you know, this just uh, until a few years ago, the, the FTC and you've, you've analyzed these things, Bill, but the, they, they did consumer surveys, consumer fraud surveys, different, different types of fraud. And they consistently found that victims of, of pyramid scheme type fraud are the least likely to complain uh, about what happened to them, as opposed to other types of, of uh, mm. uh, consumer issues. Uh, so the, the your all of these agencies, and especially your 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 uh, elected representatives, need to hear from you. Um, they need to know that there is a, a problem here. If, if people don't say anything, um, there's there's no way for them to know. And and. It's now it's it's so easy to to communicate with with these folks because they all have websites. You can go to your uh, con- congressman's website and and there'll be a form there that you can fill out online and you tell your tell your story. Um, I mean, cut and paste whatever whatever you wrote to the FTC. I hope you did write to the FTC. Mm-hmm. Write it. Uh, do the same thing with your with your with your congressman. Um, it, it need, it's it's and, and you know the more people that do this, the better chance that that uh, something will happen. Um, now, would it help to also write to uh, the attorney gen- general in the state that the MLM is actually located in? Because, for example, I'm here in Canada, and I'm fighting a lot of these U.S. companies that have put you know headquarters also in Canada, so they're kind of in both countries, but the main headquarters is in Utah or, or somewhere in the States. So would it also be helpful if, for example, I wrote to the attorney general in one of those, like in California, let's say, or. Yeah, I think that would be, 
that would be very helpful. And I, as, as a citizen of the United States, I have to apologize to you for, for living in a country that is the, uh, the world capital of uh, uh, an inventor of, of MLM. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's, it is harder here to fight it. And, uh, and I saw the note about making up a, um, uh, a video about complaints. I, I, I certainly could work on that. Maybe Yolanda would, would help me or something. But the, the, um, the issue here, imagine, if you will, a political um, map or spectrum. So uh, if, if we can assume that politicians want to be reelected, just as a baseline assumption, Let's not assume that they're corrupt or that they want to take people's money or anything. They just want to be reelected. Okay. And I worked full time for a U.S. congressman for a year. So it's a job actually getting reelected. It's a lot of work and it takes a lot of money. Now, if that congressman happens to have an MLM headquartered in their area, then there are also employees of the MLM that are in that congressman's area or congresswoman's area, and those employees vote. So you have some members of Congress who represent areas that are deeply, deeply connected to the industry. You mentioned Utah, that's certainly one of them. I'm a native of Michigan. Western Michigan is the home base of, of Amway. Um, I think Mary Kay is in Texas. It is. Uh, so, so now imagine though, I mean, we have over 400 members of Congress and 100 senators. Um, some of them are very concerned about consumer protection. But here's, here's the rub, and uh, uh, as Doug was just describing it. If, you, if I go on to the website of, uh, I don't know, congressperson in Illinois or something, the first thing they're going to ask me is where do I live? They don't want to hear from me. They want to hear from you, the citizen of Illinois who lives in their district. And so, um, although there are members of Congress, I would love to have a 15-minute conversation with regarding some of the problems in this industry. Um, it's not easy for me. Um, and if they haven't also heard from their own constituents, they got other problems to solve. There's no, there's no shortage of problems that politicians are looking at, um, whether they like, like it or not. Um, and so um, to, to, to have people who are voters and who live in the district um, express themselves um, is a really, really important part of the long-term change uh, that could come um, that would impact this industry. Um, and it makes the FTC's job easier if, in fact, um, they are being encouraged by some members of Congress to pursue certain enforcement actions. Yeah, that makes sense. And, Bill, we definitely can get together in terms of creating a video. I also wanted to let people know on my community tab what I am planning to say to the FTC for the upcoming meeting. I have it there. And mm -hmm. if you would like to kind of take that as a model, if you will, and then tell your own story so that you can make your own comment to the FTC for the upcoming meeting, by all means, please do. I'm doing it. <laughs> 
Now, something else that I want to ask you guys is about slap lawsuits and how they relate possibly to, you know, this non-disparagement, to the defamation and all of that. I mean, nobody wants to be involved in a frivolous lawsuit, but it does seem sometimes that some of these, like, you know, I have received cease and desist letters, and I know, Doug, you are very familiar with the ones that I have received that it seems almost like that's what they're trying to go after. It's really a slap lawsuit, or am I totally, you know, off in never, never land? No, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and um, th there are some states that have very good slap uh, uh, statutes, and that stands for a strategic lawsuit against public participation. And what those statutes are designed to do is to protect people who, um, who speak out uh, against uh, you know, fraud or, or, some, or misconduct or anything like that. Um, if, if, you are, um, uh, if you are sued uh, and you can make a, a uh, you, you can demonstrate that the reason you're sued, you are being sued is because uh, you have say criticize this this company you've exercised your first amendment rights um you can file a motion uh that to dismiss that that case and that forces and i'm thinking in terms of the california statute it forces the the uh the plaintiff the the, the, the company that's suing you to uh to come up with their the actual evidence that they they claim to have uh, and to, to demonstrate that, that they have a, uh, a, a real case and not just, uh, not just allegations. Uh, and of course, many of them uh, are, are unable to do that. And uh, again, in the California uh, slab statute, if, if the plaintiff fails to make that showing, uh, they can be responsible to pay the costs uh, that the uh, defendant incurred. Not everybody, not every state has a slap statute, and not every state that has a slap statute is has as a good a one as the as the California statute. Uh, and again, it, it, even with that remedy, you still need a lawyer to uh, to exercise that right. Uh, so you still have the problem. It, it may be somewhat easier to find a lawyer who's willing to take the case because of the availability of, 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 a, of a slap motion uh, and the possibility that the lawyer could recover their fees from, from the plaintiff as opposed to from you. Uh, but it, it, it's still, um, you, I mean, you still don't want to get uh, sued in the first place, but there is, uh, there is that protection at least in, 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 uh, in some states. I just want to, uh, because of something Doug just said, remind me, uh, beginning in uh, this year, 2022, uh, California has a new law that limits these non-disparagement uh, clauses. Um, and uh, um, I'm, I'm not sure quite if it's been tested yet or how, how, how broad it is, but they did, the state did pass a law to try to limit the impact of these non-disparagement clauses. Um, and the other a point I was wanting to make. I think we have kind of uh, two kinds of interests in terms of complaint behavior in general. 
One may be a very sp- firm, spe- specific interest. In other words, this company X, right? And I've talked to other people who have been involved with company X and some bad things going on. And then there's the overall dissatisfaction or frustration or concern about um, industry practices that are common across firms, et cetera. You know, I think when people who have been concerned about a company have um, actively joined together, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm blanking on the, the company that sold Black Dirt. Um, Bill. Was, okay. <laughs> um, you know, uh, uh, they, they caused, the, the, the people who were critical of that company caused a bit of a ruckus. And um, I thought that was very interesting. Um, but you're welcome. (laughs) Well done then. Uh, but in terms of, and that, that approach can work with other firms as well, of course. Um, but in terms of longer term change, um, because we have an industry that has been at it for a long time, um, they have their own congressional caucus in the United States. Uh, they have, they have friends. Uh, one of their big friends in Congress is now a Senator, uh, Senator Blackburn in Tennessee, um, and so we're talking about um, uh, formidable ties um, to the centers of power um, in s- certain states and certainly in D.C. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Doug and I and, 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 you know, a few dozen other people have been doing this for a long time and trying to have an impact. And we certainly in some ways, I think, have and. Um, other good work that's been done by other experts in this case like Vima and Advocare and um, LuLaRoe. Um, uh, but the longer term changes is, 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 is the groundswell needs to be persistent and broad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you reminded me that there, there is a direct selling caucus in, in, uh, in, in, in Washington, D.C., Yes, uh, comprised of uh, I don't know if it's sixty or seventy uh, congressmen uh, who um, uh, are uh, you know recipients of largesse from from the uh, um, well they call themselves the direct selling industry but really it's 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 the multi level marketing industry mm-hmm. um, the the direct selling association is is almost completely comprised of of MLM companies at this point. Uh, and the, the true uh, direct sellers are either they don't exist or, or they've left. Yeah, um, even their board is co- is composed of people that were either CEOs of an MLM in the past or they still are now. I also know that Trump, when he was president, a lot of his people were also very connected to MLMs and the high up lobbyists of the MLMs. And that was just insane to me to find out how connected even his party was to the MLM industry. Well, Trump himself had, had, there was, there was an MLM called the Trump network. Mm -hmm. And he also, he was a spokesmodel for uh, an MLM called ACN. He's actually Mm -hmm. being sued right now by the uh, ACN distributors. Yep. Um, but the, I think Bill's point is, is this is a politically connected industry and they have lots of friends in, in, uh, in, in high places. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are 
uh, plenty of congressmen who are willing to go to bat for the industry. At this point, there is no congressman that has spoken out uh, uh, specifically uh, against uh, deception and fraud in, in, in the MLM uh, in, industry. Uh, no, no, no one is speaking on behalf of consumers or victims uh, in, uh, in this area. And, and what I think Bill is, is, is saying is, is, you know, we need people to, to go to their congressmen and, and, you know, this is, this is a long game. Uh, and the industry has been playing a long game for, uh, for about as long as the industry has been in existence. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we need to do the, we need to do the same thing. And we're, we're very far behind at this point. Yeah, um, just to, a couple of uh, small points. In 1994, the two largest uh, uh, donators to the Republican Party in the United States, organizational don company donators to the uh, Republican Party in the United States, were Philip Morris and Amway. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, uh, uh, the, um, the chamber, U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been tied to this industry uh, since um, either the early 80s or late 70s. Um, this industry has uh, created multiple billionaires. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and money is important. Uh, and money is used to scare people and to accomplish things, et cetera. But don't underestimate the voice of voters in expressing their concerns and getting their member of Congress, their senators to move on something, particularly that is important to large numbers of constituents. So would that be like the next best thing to do is for all of us to kind of get our Congress people on board? Like, would that be the next good big step for our anti-MLM movement, if you will? If, if you do nothing else, um, do that. <laughs> find your, your, your congressmen's and your, your state senators' uh, uh, websites and, and tell your story. Uh, it doesn't have to be fancy language. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to talk, get into the technical legalities of it all. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you were recruited, how much money you lost. Uh, what happened when you when you tried to get out? Uh, you know, and it, you know, you the, the the key thing is 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 to is to make clear that you you know you want something to be done about this, uh, uh, not just this company but this industry. And I think that's really important what you said that it doesn't have to be fancy because I do feel like some people may be scared to go that way because they think they have to put some big fancy letter with a lot of legal jargon or something in it. So I, I think it's really important to put out there that it doesn't have to be that you can just write them, tell your story, say, please look into these laws again. Yeah, I think, and, and Doug, I don't know about this. So correct me if I'm wrong. If in fact, um, you had a bad experience with an MLM and you wrote to your congressman and you said, you know, um, without going into specifics, I certainly would encourage you to learn more about this industry 
and to work with the Federal Trade Commission. Would that violate a non-disparagement clause? Um, you know, I know I certainly if you're not identifying that your 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 company, you're you're not. Uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't say that because who knows what what how these clauses are written. But I, I suspect most of them would would at, at very min, at the minimum would would uh, uh, say it has to that has to they're they're dealing with statements that that identify the company. So if you're just talking about the multi-level marketing industry, um, yeah, that's that's um, that's not going to be a problem. Um, and I, I mean, notwithstanding that the 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 dire uh, consequences that I was talking about earlier in this this live stream. Um, I, I think, you know, I'll go out on a limb and say, I think you're, 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 if you're, if you are petitioning your congressman um, about a, 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 a problem, I think you are much safer than if, for instance, you're going on to a website or going on to a YouTube channel or something like that. Uh, there's there's much more uh, protection for uh, that kind of petition, uh, but absolutely, if you're if you're just talking about the the industry in general, and you can talk you can you can talk, tell your story without identifying your company, um, you know, just but but you know, use the phrase multi level marketing because that's you know all of these communications get sorted and categorized and filed and. And so when, when, when the congressman asks his aides, you know, what are, what are people complaining about? And they'll say, well, you know, they're complaining about privacy. They're complaining about, you know, uh, auto repair shops and they're complaining about uh, multi-level marketing. Um, you know, that's, I think that would be, you know, just incredibly uh, helpful. I think that'd be very powerful. Now, Bill, I know that I've been working with you. You've been um, writing a letter that basically we could all use kind of as a template, if you will. Bill's been fixing my letter. <laughs> yeah. Complaining I, to the yeah. FTC, but I think it'd be very valuable if we also created something that, you know, and, and I can put, weave my story into it to use as a model for people to be like, okay, take this, what is written, and now input your kind of story within it. Do you think that would be helpful yeah. for people? Yeah, I do. You know, uh, what I'm finding with this, uh, the younger generation, I'm of the generation, I still like to read. Uh, And, you know, my students, they want to listen to things or view things or whatever. Uh, And I'm sure they're getting good information from that. I'm not, I'm not actually questioning that. But I think it would be easier for me to get my students to watch a, a short video than to read a couple pages of text. So, um, yes, and we can do both. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, I, I want to, to make sure that, that even though I'm, Doug and I have expressed concerns and tried to talk about where some of the um, uh, uh, borders are, you want to be careful not to cross over. Um, the anti-MLM movement and, and even voices that may not quite fit that category um, that um, uh, uh, um, I'm sorry, I just saw the note from Jamie, but the anti-MLM movement and the voices uh, that have uh, uh, come forward, even if it doesn't quite fit that category, have and are making a difference. 
not just with the industry, but also with regulators. They're hearing that too. Um, and so, um, you know, you know, the people who are doing, who are expressing themselves through social media, that's part of it. But we need all those components. Uh, mm-hmm. So social, expressing yourself through social media um, isn't enough if your Congress a member of Congress never never knows. Um, so so we need all those. And um, I, I noticed that question from Jamie Smith. Um, uh, we're recommending n- not naming the company, um, particularly if you think that you've been constrained or, or uh, by a non-disparagement clause in the contract you signed. Um, even if you haven't, of course, sometimes um, some countries will uh, write you a letter sort of, um, uh, and uh, uh, threaten to bring a suit against you or something like that, even as Doug mentioned earlier, if they really don't have a good basis for it. Um, uh, but um, uh, so it's a judgment issue and it has to do with the language of the contract you signed. Doug? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, um, you know, look at your look at your contract and see if there's a non-disparagement clause. If there's not a non-disparagement clause, then then uh, certainly go ahead and identify the company. If there is, um, then uh, you know t- the safest thing to do would be to to, to uh, uh, submit a complaint without I, without naming the company. Um, and uh, you know, but. I, I, my, and my feeling is, yes, uh, use the phrase, whether you name the company or not, use the phrase multi-level marketing because they need to hear that this is part of an, of an industry. It isn't, we're not just talking about one company or one situation. There is, um, uh, there is a, a, I'll call it an industry of, of, of companies that use this um, uh, marketing plan that, uh, uh, results in basically a 99% failure rate. Uh, and Jamie, I think you're right. Um, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you're, and, and a number of the questions that, that people are asking are, are, are prompting me to, to, and I think Bill too, that, you know, we need to, um, you know, we need to, uh, give some more thought to this and, and try to give better, uh, guidance and clearer guidance. And I, you know, I, I, uh, uh, here's, here's what I would do, Jamie. I would call the FTC. Um, and I would, if, and I would not give the name if I didn't feel comfortable or if I felt I was being constrained by a contract and I would tell them that. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. Actually yeah. say, I'm I'm writing you, and by the way, I might be constrained by this contract. Would actually be really helpful, and bring up the fact that that's an issue as well. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Which brings me to another question because, um, and I believe I sent this to both of you gentlemen. Beth and I have been covering a company since well, I started covering it in November called On Passive. And with OnPassive, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which I am guessing kind of fits in with this disparagement and, you know. Are they the same? 
is it is an NDA the same thing first? Let's just do that first because I'm I am interested to hear what the difference is because some companies are doing NDAs now instead of the non disparaging. Uh, they are two different things, um, and um, I'll let Bill also speak on this. But I but um, uh, typically a, a non disclosure agreement um, refers to things that that uh, that you learn as a as a as a distributor uh, that you are once you're that you're not allowed to uh, disclose to anyone outside of the, the organization. Uh, for instance, many MLM companies are very uh, careful about their uh, distributor lists. Even people that you recruit, uh, once you've recruited them, uh, they become part of the, the you know, the, the trade secret of the, of the company. And uh, there's, there's usually a clause in the agreement that, that you know, prevents you from disclosing trade secrets. And uh, uh, that includes uh, your, your downline. So they, the thing that they really don't want you to do is, is uh, take your downline list and go to another company and recruit all those people into the other company. I mean, this, mm-hmm. There are scores, probably hundreds of lawsuits around the country between MLM companies and their high level distributors uh, mm-hmm. on this issue with someone who, uh, uh, you know, leaves an MLM for greener pastures and, and they, they, uh, try to recruit their downline to go along with them. Um, so that's where I've seen, uh, uh, NDAs, uh, crop up, but again, you have to look at the clause and find out what is it, what is it that they're trying to protect? What, what's the information that they don't want you to disclose? Right. Now, I have another question that I don't know if it relates to that or not, but since we're talking about disparagement and defamation and all of that, now, when Beth and I do our live streams about on passive, we're using their own content. We're using, you know, videos that their members have created or that the CEO, like his words, and we're having commentary about that. How does that fit in with disparagement and all of that mm-hmm. uh, well i don't know about the commentary part yet but i have often used language from firms or the drug selling association in what i've written and i think it's the right thing to do um and, uh, doug, doug may, may correct me and maybe help me out if i'm wrong but um uh i think it's it's really important words matter and so we need to, to uh, let people know the words that are being used by this company. Um, and we can do it in a way that doesn't even um, require comment sometimes. <laughs> you just, the words speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. And people yes. just look at go, oh my God, that's awful. Yeah, I think um, on here on YouTube, though, yeah. in order for us to get out of getting like a copyright complaint and whatnot, then unfortunately we have to commentate. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> right. And, 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 and so whatever you need to do, I just, I, I'm just reinforcing, I want to reinforce this notion that, um, that, that the, uh, the using other people's words against them. Um, in fact, if you look at a complaint, 
uh, that's filed. Often that complaint that say in a, in a, a class action or or even in a um, uh, um, uh, pyramid scheme brought by the government, um, that complaint will often contain words from the company themselves. Um, so that works. Um, one last thing I wanted to just because I saw that note from Jamie about income claims and health claims and giving examples and crucial to name the company, et cetera. Try to think of this as a process and that whatever you're communicating with um, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, for example, initially um, uh, may or may not be the end of the conversation. So in other words, um, your need to give them enough information to make them interested, but that isn't necessarily the end of the line. And um, so you may have time to provide other information. I think that's really important because I mean, this you said it earlier, Bill, or maybe you did, Doug. I don't remember. I'm sorry. <laughs> that this is a long game, that we're looking at this, you know, over time. We're not looking for, you know, wiggle your nose and boom, the problem is solved. We have to go at it knowing that it is a process, a step-by-step thing, which brings me back to the meeting that's being held this week by the FTC this is why it's important for people like myself, like Beth, victims of MLMs to speak out so that we can maybe have that first step so that those income disclosures are more forthcoming than what they are typically. Yeah, let me just reinforce that. Could you imagine one of the most positive things that could happen is for the FTC to be surprised of how many people were interested in this problem? That's one of the most positive things that could happen. Um, and uh, to show you how it works the other way, uh, when the FTC was doing the rulemaking, the um, business opportunity rulemaking process that finalized in 2011, during that process, they got, I think it was 17,000 comments, almost all saying the same thing and almost all from the industry. The industry, in fact, engaged in a letter writing campaign to influence the FTC, and it worked. Um, so, or at least it worked to a degree. They got what they wanted. Um, I, I don't want to claim that that's the only thing that did it, but it certainly, um, I think, had an impact. Um, and so, um, you know, voices of concern um, um, or even just voices of, I want to hear what the FTC is doing about this, um, uh, the best thing that could happen would be for the FTC to be surprised by the magnitude of the issue. That would be fantastic. Because yeah. I think that that will, would speak so much of like, we really do have a problem. We can't ignore this anymore. And I feel like part of the problem is that they don't understand how big of a problem it actually is. <laughs> It, 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 it's some hard some of them do, but it's hard to, yeah. I mean, Doug's right. Some do. It's hard to know what they know. Um, they're very much, uh, you know, each government entity, each country's federal government does things differently. Um, uh, here we have the Federal Trade Commission. It's a five-person commission. It's appointed by the president. Uh, three of the five are of the dominant party, the president's party. Am I right about that, Doug? Uh, yes. That it, yeah, so it, no more than three from any one party. 
Right. So uh, as a practical matter, yeah, it's it's uh, and now so we have a, a majority of, of uh, Biden appointments on, on the. I, I don't I don't know if that last one got uh, approved by the Senate yet. I don't know. Yeah, I've got to take a break for a couple of minutes. I'll be I'll be back. Yeah. Um, so um, so the. Uh, the regular I mean, the FTC, which uh, I think it was formed in 14, 1914 or whatever. Um, I'm pretty sure 14. They have major things on their plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they prevent mergers and acquisitions in the United States that could be harmful to consumers. Um, and um, obviously, consumer protection is an issue. And consumer protection, I mean, there's credit card fraud, there's, you know, um, uh, identity theft, there's, there's a range of these things out there. So um, we're looking at it from a certain perspective as we look into the FTC, um, and the FTC uh, has uh, um, some pretty important and, and heavy issues. Um, and, of course, only so many um, staff economists, only so many lawyers, et cetera, to go around. Um, and w- one of the things that uh, why we think this long-term game is important or to think that way is um, I'll use the example of burn lounge. When the FTC brings a case against a company, often the company will settle fold up its tent, right? It'll just go away or it'll promise not to be an MLM and it'll exist, but it won't exist like it used to. So a company like Vima or Advocare in a very small number of cases, the company decided to fight in court. And one of those companies was a company called Burn Lounge. So the I FTC, actually remember that company. <laughs> yeah, the FTC brings the case in 2007. It takes five years for them to get a decision. It's The decision is the lower court finds um, a Burn Lounge to be a pyramid scheme. Burn Lounge appeals it, and it's two more years at the appellate level. So in 2014, the appellate court um, uh, uh, affirms the lower court's decision. So we're talking about seven years to go after a relatively small multi-level marketing slash pyramid scheme. Seven years. So it's a significant resource commitment. um, And... um, so that is an issue uh, that itself, I think, um, uh, is a problem. But I, 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 I have been critical of the FTC in writing um, on a few occasions, but I don't underestimate the fact that they have a tough job to do. I can't imagine having um, all those complaints come in and figuring out, like, what's going to take precedence. I mean, I, I would presume it has to do with volume of complaints. I, I, you know, I, I don't know how they make their, their, uh, their enforcement uh, decisions. I think sometimes the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the FTC has regional offices all over the country and there, there's some folks in those regional offices that, um, you know, that they are, they're the ones that are, that are really fighting the fight and, and they, they may, um, 
know, if, if, uh, if they're really motivated, um, they may push for, uh, to, to go after one particular company. Another thing that sometimes happens is that a state will be investigating uh, an MLM. Then they'll realize that, you know, the, the MLM has a legal team that can dwarf the uh, attorney general's staff in that state. And that, that, that state will either try to get other states to, to join them or, 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 and then bring in the FTC. Uh, and certainly, um, uh, given that the, the FTC's expertise in prosecuting these uh, uh, companies, this this what this happened by the way with Fortune High Tech Marketing. Uh, there was originally an investigation by uh, I think it was uh, 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 Illinois or Kentucky, uh, and uh, ultimately there were four states plus the FTC that that uh, uh, that cooperated in a in a uh, in a, in a case uh, uh, against that company. Uh, that company, by the way, was very politically well connected. Uh, they had some former AGs on their uh, on their board, and, and uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, support. And that took that took uh, uh, quite a while to to uh, uh, to get that case together. Uh, well, I want to say thank you so much to both of you for you know being here, giving us your time. So very much appreciated. Is there like any final thoughts that you would like to give to the listeners so that, you know, they have, you know, like that one nugget of information that they can like take and use and apply right away? I think what Bill said earlier is the most important thing is, is get your, you know, tell your story to your, to, to the FTC, to the SEC, to, and especially to your congressman. Uh, that we, I think we just can't emphasize enough how important that is that, um, uh, you know, it's not enough. I mean, it's wonderful to go on, on social media and comment and, 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 and talk. Uh, and that helps because people see it, the people read it, mm-hmm. but the, the, the people that make the laws and the people that enforce the laws need to need to hear this, uh, too. Um, They've got a lot of they've got a lot of demands on their time, and they've got a lot of people uh, knocking on their doors that are that are paid to uh, uh, bring messages to them. Uh, they need to hear from uh, you know from uh, from the folks that are really affected by this. And, and numbers matter. Can I just take a moment to personally thank both of you for your work in this industry for the past? 20, 30 years. Um, You don't know who I am, but I've actually been following you for the last five years since I got into MLMs, started following and tried to figure things out. And if it wasn't for the two of you and a couple other people like Stephen Hassan, um, I don't think it would be possible for people like Alonda and myself to come out here and even have a voice and have a chance of being heard. And I just want to let you know that our community very much looks up to you both and appreciates everything that you have done and continue to do. Thank you. Thank you. I just feel like sometimes maybe you don't hear it enough, but you are very, (laughs) very loved over here. (laughs) I I do appreciate that. Very much. So I just, 
I really enjoyed this. And I hope that everybody who participated in the chat that you learned something from it. Seems like you did. I think it was a great conversation and an important conversation. Mm -hmm. And we have an opportunity this week for our voices to be heard by the FTC. Yes, please take it. Take the opportunity and tell your story ever so succinctly. You can use what I put together, you know, model it after that. But I'll post up mine tomorrow too, so that you guys can have an idea of someone that's taken hers and remolded it as well. Just have as many examples as you can. And and it doesn't have to be long. It can be, you know, my, I, I, I don't know how many sentences mine is, but I think it's like eight. I don't know. So it's not. <laughs> super long um but it, you know i had a point to some points i wanted to make and uh, and i made them and i'm sure doug did the same thing um and uh so you don't have to use legal language you don't have to be just it's just a, i'm just a citizen you know you're just a citizen and you got something to say and it's important and it's important mm-hmm. yeah Well, thank you, everyone, for being here. We appreciate it. And Beth and I will be back tomorrow to talk about, say it with me, on Passive. Yeah, we did it right (laughs) Some more stuff that I have found out about it. And, you know, it it appears as if um, on Passive is being used as a front. Kind of like Zuzu's bounty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, just like that, which we talked about on Friday. So thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. And we will be back. Tomorrow, Doug and Bill hang out for just a minute and Beth and I will say our goodbyes to you. So everyone else, have a fantastic day and thank you for being here. Goodbye. Thanks, bye, guys. Bye.